What's amazing about the letter of James in the New Testament is that it's written by a Jesus' brother who at one time had his huge doubts about his brother. Not the first nor the last brother to have doubts about his brother. But if your brother was going around saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, you would have your doubts too. But something changed James, and that was resurrection. It's the same thing that split the calendar in two, that launched a movement based on resurrection in the very city where he was put to death. And we would later read the words that James would write saying, this is what it means to be a fully devoted follower of my brother. And that's what we're studying right now. We are in week three of our letter from a skeptic, a letter from the brother of Jesus, James. And we're so glad you're with us. And last week I prayed for the Bengals and it didn't hurt. So I'm going to pray for the Bengals again today. So let's all bow our heads and uh, yeah, sorry, Chiefs fans out there. Hey, you know, I, uh, I'm first a Browns fan, second a Bengals fan, so I don't want to hear from anybody, okay? I don't want to hear from anybody. Uh, we're glad you're with us today. We're going to have communion at the end where you can get up and you can take it with your group, your family, your spouse, your friends, or you can take it by yourself. If you came today and say, I want to give a tithe, an offering to God, you can do that through our PushPay app. You can also do that by, uh, if you have something physical that uh, you want a, a check or a cash, there, you can also do that at a box out in the, in the counter, at the welcome counter. But today is a City Light Sunday, and we're going to have uh, really a religion class today. That's really what this is today. Anybody want a religion class? Because today is a religion class. So I follow a number of of church memes and sites, and, and, it's, and there's nothing more entertaining than churches. And uh, here's one that I saw this week. That I just love this. I just love this. I'm going to show it twice because I want to make sure that you don't miss something that I see. So here's, here's, here's the, the title of this meme was, Ministry Was On Fire Today. Okay, here it is. Okay, we used to do that. That's one of our old videos of worship that we used to do. We've toned it down. Now, I want you to see what the security guy does. Did you catch the, the, the moonwalk of the security guy? Watch this again. Watch the guy to, to our right. Watch his moonwalk. Here we go. I love this. <laughs> I want to see our security guys do that, don't you? Don't you want to see that? Yeah, I love that. Now, here's, I want to say this. I, I've spoken at churches sort of like that, and I will just tell you this. I would rather restrain a fanatic than resurrect a corpse any day. Would you? I mean, I've spoken at churches that you want to say, hello, anybody out there? And I've spoken at churches that, that, I mean, it's, it, they, you get so much verbal feedback, it's like saying sick them to a dog. I mean, you just, you know, meat to a dog. And I would much rather speak to a church like that than one that you got to say, oh my gosh, the frozen chosen. That's who I'm speaking to today. And you've been there and you've done that. And what I, but when we look at that and we just think about this setting right here, what just happened the last 12 minutes, how important is it really? And what is it that really, really matters? 
Well, there's a statement that James makes that raises that question. Look at the words of James 1.27. Religious ceremony that God our Father accepts, accepts as pure and faultless is this. Now, anybody interested in the is this, what follows it? Because it is so easy. I mean, I get told this, that, and I mean, I, and I, and I appreciate what, what is meant by this. Boy, Charlie, you were on fire today. The spirit was really moving. And usually, candidly, that means that I made people laugh or cry. Which may be the evidence of the spirit moving. But I've made people laugh and cry when I wasn't preaching the gospel. And is, 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 is that what God wants necessarily? Is that evidence, is this evidence that the Holy Spirit is here? Well, think about this. One of the most famous football coaches of all time was Amos Alonzo Stagg. He coached the University of Chicago. He's really the father of modern football. He coached in, in the early part of the 20th century. And one year, the University of Chicago went 9-0, and and a journalist said, Coach Stagg, it was a great year, wasn't it? And Coach Stagg, who had a bigger perspective than just a, a football record, he responded to the journalist by saying, we'll know in 20 years. We'll know in 20 years. In other words, great, we went 9-0. and That's not what we're about. We're about a bigger picture than that. And so we want you to know that we love it if we're moved to tears and, and uh, uh, laughter and the things of human emotion. That often is what the Spirit utilizes to impress an experience of truth upon us. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's more than that. We're going to cover a big section today, so stay with me and use the side screens and stay with me because I'm going to walk us through a big section of Scripture that by the end of this time will help you lose your religion. Hopefully some of you today will say, I'll look back on that day as the day I started losing my religion. Here's what we mean. Let's go back to verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We covered that last week, that most of the time our anger is selfish. And most of the time it is. Now, what's interesting about that is he's speaking to a bunch of Christian. Christian people don't need instruction on not to be angry. They're the most gracious, non-angry, non-judgmental people in the world, aren't they? Full of grace and mercy. Well, it's in the Bible for a reason, isn't it? I always say I've never been hurt by an atheist, but I've been hurt by a lot of Baptists. Man, I, I, I can tell you right now. And then he says in verse 21, he says, Now, he's speaking to the church scattered throughout the nations. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now remember, he's spoke, speaking to the choir here. You would think they don't need this. But this is a part of the process of it going from religion to reality and relationship. The word there for moral filth was the same word used of earwax. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I know, it's kind of gross, isn't it? Earwax, that, 
that oftentimes it's our lives that keep us from hearing, really hearing the word. How often I'll have someone who will come up to me and say, you know, five years ago I was here and then I drifted and then cancer hit. And then I went into bankruptcy. My marriage fell apart. And I've all of a sudden, I'm hearing the gospel differently than I used to hear it. And that's what happens. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. It's easy to say, hey, I go to church. I'm a a Christ follower. I go to church. Oh, wait, there's a deception in that. Do what it says. He'll get into this more as we get into it next week. Anyone who listens to what's said today, listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. That's, that's the whole purpose of a mirror is to give accuracy, reflective accuracy. This is who you really are. But whoever looks intently, and the word there for intently is the idea of at the soul level. I don't want just mere redo, repaint my drywall, Lord. I want you to tear my life down to the studs and rebuild me from the soul outward. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives guilt. Is that what it says? The perfect law that gives performance expectations. Is that what it says? What does it say? The perfect law, the gospel that gives, say it with me, freedom. See, the spirit is moving in here today, isn't it? The spirit is moving. Yeah, that gives freedom. Whoever does that, that person is who we're looking for. That's the person that Christ is looking for. Now, look at verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves too, and their religion is worthless. Some of the worst gossips in the office can be people who were worshiping God on Sunday. And so James is addressing that. We'll get into that in full. A day that you will want to not be here is the day we cover how we talk, how we tweet. In James chapter three, you do not want to be here that day. You better pray for a snowstorm that day, right? Yeah, he says uh, their religion is worthless. It is empty is the idea there. Religious ceremony that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. It's what happens afterward to look after orphans and widows in their distress. There were two people groups in that culture who had no ability to help you if you helped them. There was no reciprocity, no quid pro quo that was coming back. Orphans and widows. Orphans and widows. It's real similar today, but that circle is much larger today of helping people who have no ability to reciprocate your grace and your mercy. He said, that's one. So we can say, hey, the spirit was moving today. Really? We'll know this week. We'll know this week whether the spirit was moving today. That's that's what James would say to us. We'll know next week. We'll know next year. And then he says, and the other side of that is inward, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, whenever we think about moral purity, We're always talking in terms of money, sex, and power. Those are the three biggies. How you leverage your financial assets, how you leverage sex, and how you leverage your influence. Those are, in general, the three callings upon the Christ follower. And he says, you don't use money, you don't use sex, and you don't use influence and power the way the world does. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 2, verse 1, 
must not show favoritism. Now again, it's really interesting, and it should be encouraging to us that the stuff that we struggle with, they struggled with too. Uh, I just lost my slide. There it is. Uh, has not God, listen, my brothers and sisters, verse, let me go back here. I lost my slide. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. Back in that day, a ring was a sign of, of affluence and influence. As a matter of fact, it was not unusual for people to have 10 rings on their fingers, sort of like a Steeler fan. They have a, don't, don't you guys have a ring for every finger or something like that? There's a little bit of bitterness coming out in that comment. And a poor man in filthy orange and brown old clothes comes in. Okay, did I make up for it there? There, there, I made up for it, okay? So he, look at this. He says, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Why is it evil? It's because it hits right at the core of what Jesus came to do. In Christ, there is no Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. You're all one. The very thing Jesus came to do was to go beyond religious separation, socioeconomic separation, racial separation, gender separation, and, he, and, and create this movement that was unlike anything the world had ever seen. It was on the basis of not what we do or who we are, but what Christ has done for all of us. And he said, you become judges with evil thoughts. Last Easter was kind of the first Easter post-COVID, and we really weren't ready for how many people would actually come. And so I don't think we had enough services last year. And the reason I know that is because in all the services, this room filled up really fast. Now, now I knew that Kirk Herbstreet and, and Allison and some of the boys were coming to church because Terry had told me, and I said, Terry, tell Kirk that I'll save a seat for him and Allison and the boys with my family, who's, they come in town for Easter. So we were having a seat set aside. So I was already breaking James 2, the spirit of it, right there, okay? Well, Austin, my son, was serving that day at the door, and he didn't know that I had had a seat set aside for him. And he's standing there, and he's told there are no more seats available in the main theater, and in walks Kirk Herbstreet and his wife Allison and their boys. And he says, I'm watching Kirk walk toward me. And I'm thinking, James chapter 2, James chapter 2, James chapter 2. Don't fail the test. And Kirk comes up and he says, hey, Kirk, I'm sorry, but this room's full. You're going to have to go sit in the small theater. And, you know, being the person that he is, uh, he, Kirk doesn't say, hey, I'm Kirk Herbstreet. I'm like a god in this state. You ought to let me sit here. He, oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. He goes in. Austin comes up and he says, hey, dad, I just want you to know, I just told Kirk Herbstreet he can't sit in here. <laughs> and I said, run to the theater and tell him I have a seat saved for him right now. Run, don't walk. And he did. And Kirk sat in here and with our family and everything. And I, he, Austin passed the test. I utterly failed the test of James chapter two. I just want you to know that that right there was a confessional is what that was. But it's, isn't it so easy that we, we get our little biases? And it does, it's certainly not saying don't save seats for friends and family. 
But he's saying, look at your heart. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? The prophet told David, God looks, man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And to be inheritors, heirs of the kingdom, he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich, by the way, who are the ones exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? In that day, if you had money, it was even more of a temptation to abuse your power and your money. Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, the second of the big two, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. I mean, this is the deal. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. And and, and in essence, what he goes on to say here is, I don't care how well you're living the rest of your life. You're missing the point here. If you judge people by external appearances and socioeconomic status and what they can do for you. For, for example, he goes, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Is that not true? If you get pulled over for going 50 in a 35 today on the way home, good luck with saying to the police officer, hey, but I went the speed limit the whole way to this point until you caught me going 15 miles an hour. Does that matter? Does that matter? Does that matter that you kept the whole law that day? No, at that point, he says, you're a lawbreaker. He who said do not commit adultery, also said, don't murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. I mean, you, th- this whole deal is if you want to talk about measuring up, he says, well, you're falling on the one thing that really matters. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And friends, let me tell you, the longer you're a Christ follower, the more the temptation to be judgmental gets stronger. Why? It's because we're most likely to sin when we're right. That's right. It's awful that if you ask people in this country who is a judgmental group, what's the number one response that'll be given in this culture? Who, who is a group that you think of when you think of judging others? Christians. And this ought not be. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In other words, getting to the place in your life where you don't, you don't create these divisors of male-female, Democrat, Republican, rich, poor, white-collar, blue-collar, PhDs, common sense. You don't, you don't do that. You don't do that anymore. You don't do that anymore. That, that you, in Christ, you begin to see every person as a person for whom Christ died. That every person is someone in need of his mercy and grace. And this is the law that gives freedom. This is the law that gives freedom. Why? It's because now you're not going around being an arbiter of who people are and et cetera. You become this, I'm not on the judgment committee. I'm on the love committee person. And there's great freedom in that to let God be God. Now, as many of you know, the purpose of this church is not to help everyone. It's to help people who are either irreligious 
very religious, become post-religious in a connected relationship with Christ. You're looking at a person who I couldn't care less about religious ritual. And, and you probably know that. I just could not care less as an end in itself. It just doesn't appeal to me. I don't even like church. <laughs> That's, that could be a problem unless you're part of a church that says, no, we want, we want to grow people who they are church attenders. They'll take of the communion not as a religious check the box. They don't have to do that. They want to do that for something that transcends a religious checkpoint. So one of the things around here that we've taught down through the years are the three stages of that transition. And no matter where you are today, these three stages will apply to somebody here that says, you know, I'm ready to move. And here they are. Uh, we'll call, we'll say it's Heather and Heathcliff. That's the name that we give that, 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 this, like that typical maybe person or persons that are in this journey of seeking a connected relationship with Christ. And stage one is when Heather's religion about God sustains her religion about God. In other words, she goes to church, she does her religious things, she checks the box. Why? Because that's what my family did. That's what we do. That's how we roll in this family. We go to Easter services. We go to Christmas services. We go, we do church. We, we do the religious things. Heathcliff says, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, for me, it's a, just a compartment in my life. You got your politics section. You got your entertainment section. You got your lifestyle section. You got your money section. And you got your religion section because you want to make sure all the bases are covered, right? Isn't that what this is about? And when you're at this stage, you're at that stage of religion. It's about what you do and make sure you do enough that you've got that section in your life. Make sure you do enough that if someone were to make the charge against you that you're religious, you would be found guilty because you do just enough religious things to be called religious. Now, I'm not one of the fanatics, not one of those zealots hopping over pulpits. No, 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 no. That's not where we are, but this is really critical. For example, in Acts chapter 18, we're told uh, a couple by the name of Priscilla and Aquila, a ministry couple, they take uh, a gentleman aside who'd been preaching the baptism of John, which was a baptism of repentance, and not the baptism of Jesus, which was a baptism of surrender to Christ and his purposes. And it says Priscilla... And Aquila took him aside and showed him the way of God more adequately. Really interesting statement. Because they didn't say, what you learned about religion is all wrong. No, that's the basis for why we're having this discussion. And it'll play a critical role. But let, let me tell you, there's something more. There's something more. And what happens in Heather and Heathcliff's life is there's, there are catalytic events. Almost every Heather and Heathcliff has a lot of success that happens, and or a lot of struggle that happens. And both of those can be catalytic events to say, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than this check the religious box thing. And it's empty. It really doesn't affect any change inside of you. It just, you do what you do. That's how we roll as a family. There's got to be more. And a lot of people have so much success and they realize, really? This is it? Or some people have so much struggle that they go, really? 
this is it. There's got to be more power to this if it's real. And that's what leads to stage two, where Heather's religion about God initiates her relationship with God. She's baptized one day, which had she done that years ago, it would have just been a religious thing to do. Check the box. But now the symbolism of immersion is reality. She wants to be immersed in something that has a lasting internal effect. She wants something transformative. And so that was, she said, I'll never do that. She stood outside on big splash weekends and said, oh, I'll never do that. She's doing it. She's surrendering in a way that is not a have to, but a want to. And this is powerful because she actually starts reading some scripture. And though she doesn't grasp a lot of it, she see, there's some value in this. She starts showing more grace to people in her life. She starts, she starts forgiving more readily than she used to. She doesn't hold grudges. She's more patient. And she starts seeing these effects take in her life where she says, I want more of this. But at this stage, it's just an initiation into a relationship that goes way beyond have-tos and do's and don'ts into want-tos. She begins to see how she sees money, sex, and power as differently. It's not just, hey, stay on the right side of these big three and God will love you. Now she realizes there are ways she can show her love to God by honoring what he said about money, sex, and power. And that leads to stage three, where Heather's relationship with God sustains her relationship with God. In other words, now she never wants to miss an assembly of worship and teaching. Why? Not because she has to, to check a box, but because she loves the otherness of it. She's begun to move into a power in her life that it's not just seeing her life. She sees the power of her life being like a grape, not a marble anymore. A marble just bounces into other marbles, but a grape, life crushes the wine flows from the grape juice that flows out of life's pressures and, and struggles. And she wants to be a part of a community of faith. And this is fascinating because she begins to realize she used to do those ought to's. And those have been totally turned into want to's. And what she feels is not performance pressure. She feels freedom. That's right, she feels freedom. If someone were to look at her life as opposed to what she looked like in college, she would say, oh, your life in terms of money, sex, and power is much more restricted. And she would say, oh, no, no, it's not. I'm free. I've been set free because now I'm living the great law, the law of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's the lens through which I see the appropriation of money, sex, and power. Now, I don't know about you, I grew up in the church of Christ. So, for example, I love how I grew up. It taught me a love of scripture. I tell people this, my life changed in the fourth grade and I didn't realize it when Dodie Williamson made us memorize the books of the Bible. Yeah, geniuses to revolutions, the whole way through, she made us memorize the books. Of, and what I didn't realize at the time is that, you know, I, when I challenge people, yeah, you want to get started, you want to be a student of the Bible, memorize the books. And they look at me like, are you crazy? 
Are you nuts? That's impossible. No, yes, it's really possible. And it'll give you a confidence with the scriptures. Well, I did that in the fourth grade because there was this reward that she was giving us. She changed our life, but I hated church. Anybody with me on that? I mean, the fact of the matter is I, I went because I had to. And I remember by the time I get to high school, I'm like, gee whiz, it's Sunday morning again? It's amazing the regularity with which these Sunday mornings roll around. Anybody ever have that? Like, gosh. And I was driving here today. And of course, now I get paid for it, so it's all screwed up. But, <laughs> but I was driving here today, and this has been this way for, for, for me for 37 years. I mean, I, well, longer than that, it's for, for 40 years since I surrendered my life to Christ. I can't wait till Sunday because I just love, I love the otherness of this. I love, I love being a great not a marble. And I would have been a marble who lost his marbles. That's what I would have been. And I love being a part of something where life, when the, the greater the pressure, the more the wine flows and the wine gets better with time. And I'm free. <laughs> Speak and act as those who follow the law that gives freedom. Freedom. And this is what hundreds of Heathers and Heathcliffs who are part of our church have experienced. And what Heathcliff, for example, experiences, I've seen this around here a long time, is he realizes that religion was like the scaffolding. That wasn't the main thing. It was essential to help build the house, but the house is the main thing. And he wants to take care of the house and live in the house. And the house is the relationship. The scaffolding was all the religious stuff you do that helps you get to the point where you realize, no, I want something more than that. And now he said, I can take that scaffolding away. That religion was like the rocket booster. That was essential to get him off the pad. But now he's orbiting on a different, different kind of fuel. And he doesn't need that rocket booster of religion anymore. He has pure fuel. And you know what that fuel is? It's grace. Uh, Every Heathcliff I know eventually understands these words. Saints burn way more grace than sinners ever could. We think, I know it is, Sheila. It is really good. And... And here's why that's true. It's because you get to the point where you realize these aren't, oh, gosh, I got to go to church again today. I got to take communion. I got to go, you know, oh, God. But you, you wake up every morning going, man, I've got infinite grace fueling my life. The word grace means God's favor. God's unmerited favor is the truest thing about me. If we were to peel you back and you've accepted this gift, what we would find as we peeled everything back is God's unmerited favor. That's the truest thing about you. That's why it's the law that gives freedom. One time, Jesus talked about this. Because in essence, what we're talking about today, look at this. This is the sermon in the sentence. Losing your religion is the process of letting God in and then letting him out. That's what it is. So you receive this gift of grace that you start realizing, oh my gosh, this is true of me. I am favored by God. I am accepted by the one who matters most. And he knows what I've done. He knows who I am. And then it doesn't stop there because a lot of people go there and they stop and they become what I call pregnant with grace, but they never give birth. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you stop there. That, it turns back into religion. It's actually what it does. Then they, just, they, they see their life as letting that light of grace out. Letting that light out. 
That's what their life then becomes is everywhere they go with the barista, with the person working behind the counter at the convenience store, with the person that they are, share an office cubicle beside. I mean, you, you, they begin to see that my whole life is now, I've received this light of his grace. I, now I just let it out. And Jesus looked at a group one time and he said this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? By the way, which is spelled D-O, it's what you do, it's what you perform to be impressive to God and others. He says, you tired of that? Because they, he was speaking to people who were in a religious culture. Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me work with me, watch how I do it, learn the unforced rhythms of guilt. Is that what it says? What does it say? Say it with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-filling on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I don't know a person who doesn't want to live more free and more light. If that's what your heart is searching for, then come to Jesus Christ is the place you want to come. Because he said, he said, he said, he said, there, there is a road that is wide and it leads to narrowness. Like just live your life. College students, you're in a phase. Live how you want. Just do whatever you want. No restrictions, no rules. See how, where that gets you. It'll, it'll lead to a restricted life. You're addicted to alcohol. You're addicted to drugs. You're addicted. I mean, it, it'll screw up your life and you'll end up living this very narrow life. But he said, you follow me and it'll feel like, oh my gosh, I'm submitting to this Jesus. That's narrow. What did he say? It'll lead to the broad way. It'll lead to freedom. Not because now I get to do whatever I want with money, sex, and power because God will forgive me. That's his job. No, no, no. It's because I am now governed by the law of love that says I want to honor him with money, sex, and power. I'm no longer under the compulsions of those things anymore. And I, I've, I've read that text. I've, I've taught that Matthew 11 text. And I would say a half a dozen times when I've taught that, a guy, a Heathcliff or a gal, a Heather have come up to me and said, Okay, I've tried that. I started reading the Bible. I've sat in the pews. And all I just felt was guilt and pressure to perform and be more and be more and be more. I've tried the Christianity thing. What do you got for me? And, and if somebody ever says that to you, here's what, here's what my response to that is to Heather and Heathcliff. Well, tell me more about what it is exactly you were experiencing inside. Tell me more about this Christianity of yours because I'll bet I'll tell you I don't believe in that Christianity either. The, the Christ I believe in is scandalous in his grace. Religious people don't like it because we'll lose control of these people if we don't lay guilt on them. That's the, are you kidding me? If we don't make people feel guilty, they'll start living like they want to. That's right. They'll live with un, unredeemed hearts, religious hearts. That'll gossip. <laughs> yeah. But a person who says, I'm done with religion, 
I'm done with external behavior modification. I'm ready for the real thing. That person, Jesus said, come to me. Keep company with me. Walk in my dust. And you will be changed. You will be a different person. So as many of you know, a few months ago, we came up with this growth grid where we overlay stages of development with the five S's, solitude, scripture, service, support, and significant events. And these aren't checkpoints. They're ways, practices where we position ourselves every day to be recipients of his grace, where we, 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 we access the power of his grace. Now look at this grid on the screens. Because one of the things I want you to see today that is, a, that is a real sign for you on whether you're losing your religion and moving into relationship with Christ is especially in the middle where scripture and service are, scripture moves from, you start with, somebody feed me, feed me, Seymour, feed me. You know, can I learn with you? Would you like to hear what God equip and empower us? Read me, God. You see a progression there, me, 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 to us, 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 us. When you, when you watch someone who moves from religion, the point of starting to relationship in service, they start with, someone affirm me. Tell me I'm right in doing this. Somebody tell me, make me feel good about doing this. And they move to, can I serve with you? Christ's love compels me. I pour myself out. And God, I learned by your grace, you've already affirmed me. And I mean, that person is free. And what you want to watch for yourself as you lose your religion is you will gain the freedom of not being occupied about you. That's called salvation. Salvation is when you're free from you. And thinking about you all the time. And when you walk into a room, you don't walk into a room and say, here am I, serve me. You walk into a room because you have an internal power now that has affirmed you. And you say, there you are. How can I serve you? How can I serve this world? How can I be a light of the grace I have received? We got something for you today. And I'm going to ask Leah Sparling, who is the director of our City Lights movement to join me here right now because City Lights is not this super secret handshake organization within Southbrook that you got to join. It is simply a movement leading the way to say, you've been a recipient of the light of his grace. Now let's go show it. Let's show that to our city. Unconditionally loving the orphans and widows and neighbors and coworkers and students that, that we are the ones who have been affirmed. We're the, we're the ones operating from a point of grace that says, I'm not, I'm not going around asking people to fill the cup of my soul. I have a cup that runneth over with his grace. And so, Leah, today is at what we call every few uh, number of weeks, we have City Light Sundays. They started late last year where we set aside a day to say, all City Lights is, is loving your neighbor. That's what it is. And your neighbor is not who you literally live next to alone. It's the person in proximity with you right now. That's your neighbor. Okay, so, which the hardest part often is, that's that husband that's sitting next to you right now. It's the hardest person it's to love. Teenager. It's the teenager sitting next to you right now. So <laughs> tell us why the kiosks are in the middle today that, that, that symbolize we want to cover our city with agents of love your neighbor light. 
and tell us what's going on out there today and the conversations that could happen that are a part of Heather and Heathcliff losing their religion. Well, I'm thankful for James, and I like your sweatshirt. Thank you. I like yours, too. And by the way, Southbrook.store, we would love for you to buy one of these. Because my goal is that every time I go into Menards, I want to see one of these. Because they're yeah. so proliferating yeah. the, the city that I see one of these because they stand out so much. Southbrook.store, you can get one. Yeah. Uh, well, and also, love your neighbor. I mean, if it's, you're wearing it's, this and then all of a sudden you're not very loving to that cashier. Oops. That's right. So it's a both and. That's right. It's like having a, a follow me to church bumper sticker on your car and you're that guy going crazy in, 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 you know, right. in the so highways. To the kiosks. Um, yeah. The reason we want to just kind of put front and center out there is because we want to just honor so many amazing organizations that the Miami Valley has that is really serving and loving people. Which we're partnering with. We're partnering with them. And we learn more about them every day. A food pantry in Centerville has popped up on our radar that we weren't aware of. Uh, there's a, a pirate packs that are going on at West Carrollton that are in desperate need of food for teenage kids and younger kids are going home on the weekend without food. Like they don't in West Carrollton. That's our, that's our neighbor. Our neighbor. Um, there are, there's a domestic violence shelter in um, Lebanon called Safe on Main. They need pillows. I mean, people, pillows. You can buy them anywhere. So, I mean, there's, there's a laundry list, and it's on our City Lights website on the events tab, and there are places, sign-ups, where you can just click and maybe scroll down and just see what hits you. You know, is it putting shoes on kids' feet? Amen. Is it providing pillows? Fantastic. Do you love first responders? I, I know I do. There's a conference coming up in a couple weeks that we're hosting here, and we need volunteers for that. Um, if you want to hit your knees and pray as a prayer warrior, we, we want that too. There's a whole bunch of ways to love your city. So our community leaders, our city pastors, myself included, our regional pastors, Pete and Steve, are going to be out at the kiosk just to answer your questions, uh, just to connect you to opportunities that are out there. And one thing that's kind of been on our heart for the last couple of weeks, especially since, you know, winter's here, there are a lot of shut-ins. The elderly population that are shut-in um, are lonely, they're hungry, they're isolated, and quite frankly, it, it's, it's kind of close to death at that point. I mean, really, it just is so heavy. And um, there are a, a dime a dozen you can drive. In fact, I'm sure that you will pass by one on your way home today, a retirement or assisted living home. And we have people who have their spouses work there. And they say there's people who haven't had their family visit in four years. Mm. And so if you feel so compelled on your way home today to just pull in, walk in the front door and say, we just want to meet someone who's lonely and go get some flowers from Kroger's, go get a coffee, I don't know, a house plant that says, I believe in you, and, you know, pass on <laughs> some love. <laughs> I got that. Did anybody else get that? Jesus. So, anyway, that's what we're doing at the kiosk. We just want to connect with you. We just want to point you in the direction of getting to know. But Charlie's right. It is as simple as loving. So if you're not, if you haven't seen your actual neighbor in a while, like, mm. you know, I'm thinking of my neighbor I haven't seen in a while, I may want to go knock on the door and say, how you doing? Yeah. What's going on? You want to come to dinner? Can we hang out? I don't know, fire pit in the front yard, something like that, because that's loving your neighbor too, and it's as simple as that. So there's nothing to join, just uh, You have some meet. assistance that you want to give out. I do. Right? So I some do. motivators. So yeah. lead us through this. And, and so Similar uh, to last time, I had groceries, and this time I have Kroger gift cards. I have three of them. 
So, you know, I was going to say, someone's standing up already. He's coming forward. So I've got three. Whoever wants to come. Oh, he's walking out. (laughs) (laughs) Not him. Nope, not interested. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else, surely. (laughs) Boy, uh, timing is everything in church, people. Okay, timing is everything. That's awesome. So I want to give you a Kroger gift card to do just that. If you are feeling compelled to go visit. Hey, somebody. by the way, he does that on my sermons about this time every week. So oh, don't let that get that. Thank you personally. Yeah. There we go. There yeah. we go. So all right, two just, more. Yeah, Nance. I just want all right, to thank two more. Nancy. Yeah. yeah. All right, one more. We got one more. One more we're giving away. From the back. Someone from somebody the from the back. Here we go. Thank you. Jump over that stage, woman. <laughs> Come on. The spirit <laughs> was on fire today. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank Leah you. thank you and I, yeah. I, I I'll tell you this I, I the, the team knows this a number of years ago when for me God laid it on my heart the this vision of city lights like let's make sure that we have this simple way to understand that when we go when, when DRT goes to western Kentucky and and rebuilds that that gal's home, that they're just being light in a dark time in her life. Like everybody understands that everybody can be this. Do you know where that started? You know where it started. Where it started was one day we got comments from one of those church evaluators that's, that come to churches anonymously. This was, this was like 10 years ago. And, and he came in, and you know this story. He came in, and then he posted an online evaluation. And he said, Simply, you have a beautiful building. So what? And, and that, for me, was the, the seed that said, that is a legitimate ask. The prettier your building, the brighter your light better be in the community. Or you're just hopping over pulpits. Yeah. So what? <laughs> right? I don't care how loud you shout or how high you jump. Just as long as when you land, you land with a compassionate heart and a pure heart. That's it. Amen. And I can say one thing. We get get that still. People walk in and they think this building is made of money. Well, it is. It It is is, sort of. It is. Money made this building. But we, we get calls asking us to help feed people. And sometimes my heart wants to say, can you do that? Like, does the church help the unborn? I don't know. Do you help the unborn? Are you the church? So we get calls, and I want to help everybody that the church, you know, that people call in and say, oh, City Lights will help them. And what I want everyone to see is that you're the City Light. I can help facilitate and support, Mm -hmm. and our church can do that. But I want you all to see yourselves as that support, that if you are seeing a need, you're the one seeing that need to meet that need. And that's what makes the light in you shine. So make sure, leave the day, you have any questions, or you say, I think, I think God was tugging on my heart a little bit today, then, and I want to see how this can get you know, fleshed out, then we want you to go to the counters. We have a couple things coming up. Next week, we're going to have a Players Box Spotlight event. It was moved uh, from tonight. It's supposed to be tonight. There's something going on tonight. <laughs> It was moved. The Bengals you know? are gonna so, win. So, I'm gonna be interviewing That's Brooke Cups and Gabe Cups, and uh, yeah, very. You know, I don't. You know, you don't get to interview at your church, the Mr. Basketball in Ohio, but that's Gabe, and it's gonna be a great event. 
if you are a parent or a youth coach, you will want to come to this event. And uh, we still have openings for that. We want you to register for that. That's next Sunday night. And then that Tuesday is when the new season of Players Box starts. And it's going to be Players Box 2.0. So you students who have been to it before, it's going to be almost all new material. We, we've been working on this. And it's, uh, I'm really excited about the next iteration of Players Box that's launching a week from Tuesday. And um, then also, what was the second thing I was supposed to announce? What was it? What Super was it? Bowl. Oh, Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. Super Bowl. The Bengals will be playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks, and we want to celebrate that. And uh, so the Super Bowl, it is a one event. So what we mean by that is Jesus said, leave the 99 and go for that one that's lost. Who's that person you could invite? We're going we're gonna to speak. I'm going to speak that weekend about putting the, the calm in competition. What's the value of competition? And so it'll be a great teaching for someone who's not even in Christ yet. But, but between services, we'll have this big old party, this big old Super Bowl party that is just fun to be at. has zero spiritual value to it whatsoever, oh, but just fun to be at. And that'd be a great time to invite your friend yeah. that may be religious Heathcliff or Heather. But it may be the beginning where they look back and say, yep, as, many, as hundreds of people here said, I started my journey with Christ on a Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> That's when I started it. That's right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, but thank you for connecting us to the light of the world, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men and women to me. And when that happens, we become a city set on a hill that cannot, must not be hidden. We reach out beyond all human boundaries and we say, I am the light of Christ here to bring light to this dark world. And we pray that that happens today. We pray that that happens with week, this week because whether the Spirit was moving here today will not be dependent on what happened today, but what happens this week. In Jesus we pray and every son, one at Southbrook said, amen. See you next week. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. <laughs>